Oh my God. Are we really in season two already? Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Human Experience Podcast. You have no idea how much gratitude I have for my listeners and just being able to be in a space to create and to speak with these incredible guests that I have on the show. It is truly a dream. And I wanted to take a moment to chat about my private coaching that I am offering right now. Um, I do offer three and six month options for those women who are my higher high achievers. And I feel like women in general kind of put a lot of pressure on themselves, whether it's internal or external pressure. Um, I've just been seeing myself included with my clients that the ones who develop symptoms, chronic symptoms, especially are the ones who are high achievers or, Put a lot of pressure on themselves or are easily stressed out. Um, just happens to be the way of the world and that's okay. Um, I've now been able to get to a place where I'm able to manage my chronic stress with some tools, which you have too. You have these tools. It's just a matter of accessing them um, and having someone who has been there and who can guide you throughout a process because I cannot tell you guys, I had my family and loved ones by my side throughout my entire journey, but they just never understood. They were there to support me and love me and tell me everything was going to be okay. But because I didn't have anyone who truly understood what it was like to be in my body, to, to feel how crippling it felt to experience the bloat that I did. I felt six months pregnant when I wasn't. And just my cycles were all over the place. Like I was getting them 16 days late and it was, it was mess and my acne and just going to the bathroom was a nightmare. I, I can't, it just felt like the end of the world. And at 20 something years old, that's not how you're supposed to feel. You're supposed to be out there living your life and not let another day pass because yeah, you only get this life once and you should live it to the best of your capabilities. So in my three-month and six-month programs, I do offer unlimited support via an app, which we call Voxer. It's like a walkie-talkie. It's pretty awesome. So any questions that my clients have, if it's relating to a supplement, something that you get in the grocery store, um, how you're feeling, whatever, you have me literally in the palm of your hand. Um, and then we do one-on-one, one-hour calls every two weeks and um, grocery lists, recipes, the whole nine yards to get you started. Um, and then we ad- address diet, rest, exercise, stress, supplementation. These are all things that will get you on the right path to healing. No more guessing games. I do as well offer um, functional diagnostic lab testing, So if you are far enough in your journey, you're not getting answers, you've seen several doctors, you're just, your symptoms are all over the place and exacerbated, that's when I will offer lab testing. However, I do see a lot of clients that have never even stepped into a grocery store or even have cooked anything healthy and haven't tried those simple steps first or not drinking enough water, you know, and so forth. So um, we will just start with nutritional therapy alone because I see it as a profound impact on your body just by making those simple changes. And if we hit a wall and you're healing or whatever, um, then we can definitely step in with some functional diagnostic lab testing. So three and six month programs. 
They are awesome and I love them so much and I love my clients dearly. Um, so if you guys are interested in hearing more and scheduling, scheduling a free symptom audit so that we can go over your symptoms to see if it would be a good fit to work for, with each other, um, you can schedule your free symptom audit um, in the link in my bio and my Instagram, or you can just shoot me an email at kiaramariewellness at gmail.com. Now back to the show. So welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, Dr. George. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to do this. My first squad cast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too. Um, I have been uh, just slowly but surely learning more about holistic healing with through my own journey. And I actually had um, a significant other in my life who's actually studying to be a dentist right now. And that just led me to be even more intrigued with um, holistic dentistry. And I can't wait to just dive deeper into all the ins and outs because I'm even seeing clients now who've had like um, procedures done, uh, maybe some unnecessary interventions that are now um, leaving them with some major side effects. So I know we'll dive all into that today. Um, But first, I wanted to give our audience a little breakdown about who you are and where you're located. Okay, yeah, that's a great question because um, I want to introduce myself and I am practicing around Houston. Actually, it's called Sugarland and it's in Texas. Um, So I have my holistic practice there. And um, a little bit about myself is, is that I was, I'm pretty much from Houston, um, the area of Houston, but I was actually born and raised in England. So, um, you know, around my teenage years, I moved to Texas with my family. And since then, um, I went to dental school and I've always been learning. And even after graduating, I think that's only when I started learning about holistic dentistry because they don't teach you this in dental school. Mm-hmm. Right. So did you have to get in like an extra certification on top of your, your dental degree? Yeah, there it's called certification education. So CEs, there's just mm-hmm. a lot of different courses I've taken. Um, I can't say there's one specific certification that that allows a dentist to be holistic, but it's really just overall education after dental school. Mm, yeah, so it's really just up to you and how um, how far you want to go with it, kind of right. Yeah, I mean, it's I wish there was a clear path, but um, <laughs> it, it's quite a it's it's just a journey every every time. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we're always learning. New yeah, things. maybe soon because I do feel like this is the direction that um, the field is heading in. At least from what I'm seeing, there are a lot more biological or holistic dentists. Um, can the term be intertwined biological, or is that totally different? Oh yes, it's the same thing. Same um, thing. A lot of people okay. think um, they just know the word holistic, but um, what? We dentists uh, that are holistic, we actually use the word biological. It's more uh, scientific, um, but it it does yeah, kind right. of mean the same thing. But it just depends on the dentist itself uh, to see what they're doing. You know. Okay, perfect. They're practicing. And why did you choose to go this route? Okay, so um, so when I started, when I graduated dental school, I I started working. I had no idea of anything about holistic dentistry, um, and. I was just drilling teeth and I would see my patients every six months and they would get cavities and there'll be even more problems. And I was just like, why, what am I doing? I'm a doctor. I'm supposed to be helping them. Right. Um, and I didn't not feel like I was actually getting to the root cause or prevent preventing any decay or overall health. And I knew that, um, dental 
disease, like gum disease, was related to the risk of heart attack and stroke. And that's where I started my journey because um, I have seen that in my own family and I really wanted to kind of turn that around. Um, So because of that connection, I kind of dug in deeper and I was like, okay, there has to be a relation between what's in your mouth and your overall health. And it's just, I started learning about all of this and, and I came to find out that what I had been taught in dental school uh, was not enough. And I realized that there's so many toxic things in dentistry that we do. And I just wanted to provide a better option for my patients. Wow. That is remarkable. I love that so, so much. (laughs) Um, And in Sugarland, Texas, I've actually visited Houston before um, and I've heard of Sugarland, but that is, um, is that like an area where, you find a lot of these holistic practices? Is it big there? I wish it was. Um, I feel like we we need more holistic dentists in the Houston area itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I moved here to the suburb of Houston and I, you know, I was like, okay, we don't have enough holistic dentists. So I have to open up my own office because I, I just couldn't practice any other way. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. So now I kind of want to switch gears and just dive right in. I want to chat about, you had mentioned how gum disease is largely connected to heart disease. So are the, the oral microbiome and the gut microbiome, for example, and overall immunity, like all connected? Oh, definitely. So we, we know that the gum disease, and this is most dentists already know this, right? So gum disease increases the risk for heart attack and stroke. And that's mm-hmm. because the the microbiome of your mouth is connected to your whole body. You know, your bloodstream is affected um, and it just takes a burden on your overall immune system when you have that bacteria um, in your mouth. So mm-hmm. I really do think it's all connected in your gut and your mouth. Is, you know, It's all connected. Yeah. What... What causes gum disease specifically? What causes gum disease? So um, just basically prevention. If prevention is not there to clean the area, um, you know, a lot of people haven't been to the dentist in a long time and are not able to really clean their gums from the, in the first place. Um, but but really, a lot of people are even more at risk that have other things going on, if they have diabetes, if they already have other systemic problems, then they're, they're going to be more at risk for having gum disease because their microbiome has already been affected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah. gum disease, it just happens whenever um, people can't take care of their gums at home by themselves. Um, and then the bacteria starts progressing in the gums and it just gets to the point where even a toothbrush doesn't get it out. So can we trace it back to like the foods that we're eating and then on top of that, not taking care of like maybe like flossing and and doing proper care there? Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, of course, eating processed sugars, carbs um, increases the risk of bad bacteria in your mouth. Um, And also improper hygiene definitely increases the probability that you're going to have gum disease if you're not flossing like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Um, then, then yeah, I would expect the person to have some sort of bacteria in their mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Flossing is something that I've been doing every day now. Um, 
I definitely wasn't a good flosser like growing up, even within like the past few years, but I've been taking it more seriously recently. Um, because is it true? Like flossing could actually be more important or beneficial than, than actually just the process of brushing your teeth. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Brushing your teeth is one thing, but really where you need to get to is, is your, your gums because that's where all the bacteria is. Um, and I have to say something, okay, that the flossing, I was a terrible flosser too. And I think I probably still am. And I found, (laughs) I found another solution that works for me. Okay. It doesn't work for everybody else, but um, my trick is to use a water pick. Mm, I've been intrigued. I've never, I've heard like pros and cons. Yes. Yes. It just depends on what works in your hands, what's going on in your mouth and if it's going to work for you. So I can't say it's going to definitely work, but um, it's been quite successful with my patients. Um, And especially if they're not going to floss, then why, why even introduce that idea? Because it's something is better than nothing. And if something is using a water pick and a water jet to flush out in the gum area, um, well, it's better than someone skipping with the floss, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it just um, more pressure through water just hitting your gums? Yes. Think of like a car wash. You know, when you go to a car wash, you you have that high pressure um, water coming out. Um, and in my water jet, I actually add essential oils. I use something called Therosol or Tooth and wow. Gum Tonic. Wow. I and love I can- that give you some, I can give you the description so you can put in your show notes too. Yes. It's not just water. It's actually antimicrobial water now. So it's actually killing everything, right? Oh my God. That's genius. (laughs) I need to do this. Um, What kind of toothpaste do you use? Oh yeah. So um, toothpaste I have found because I'm not using fluoride. I know it's toxic. So we need something now to remineralize our teeth and prevent decay, right? So I use toothpaste that contain hydroxyapatite and that is a mineral that can reverse cavities that are small. Um, so the brands I recommend, um, I've written a post about this on my Instagram too. And I like Risewell, I like Boca and, and there's another one called Aura Wellness, which is like a powder in a jar. Um, and it's really cool. So those are the three brands I really like and I, that's what I use at home. I've been looking into Rise Well. Um, I really want to try their stuff. I am finishing up my last jar of Uncle Harry's. It's like it's supposed to be mineralizing too. Okay. Actually, my past partner because he was um, he's seeing my patients like in school and so forth. And so I went in there and he was cleaning my teeth and we found like a small cavity. But that's been in my intention to remineralize through that. And of course my foods is so important and, and flossing and proper hygiene. Um, is that possible to remineralize like just by doing those things instead of giving a, getting a, a filling? Definitely. So I can't say every time, but if we take a look at the, the cavity and if it's in the enamel layer, which is the first layer, um, we can remineralize that. And I don't like to do fillings because um, I just think it's not necessary unless we try to reverse it first. And, and I have a different, I have a couple of different tricks and, um, and tools that I use in my office. If the hydroxy appetite toothpaste hasn't been working. Mm, like what? Oh, so one of those, um, one of those is called ozone. Have you heard of ah! that? 
Yes. Uh, yeah. We used to actually have an ozone machine, but um, we would drink like ozone water, but I think it's different in a dental practice, right? Like in, just actually putting the ozone in your mouth. Is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We put it in the, in the mouth um, because ozone can be a water or it can be ozonated gas. So we use ozonated oxygen and mm. we, um, we like surround the tooth that has the cavity for a couple minutes, depending on the size of it. And that kind of cleans everything out and it helps the tooth heal and, and it just really does work great. Wow. Yeah. No, ozone is, is so powerful. For those who don't know, can you explain what ozone ex- exactly is? Yes. Um, so ozone is just made from oxygen and there's a machine that makes the, the two molecules of oxygen join to the third. So it's an unstable oxygen atom that has three molecules now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, it's oxidative. And the oxidation is the process that kills viruses, fungi, parasites, any bacteria. So it's so potent that it even kills, it doesn't even, it like deteriorates rubber. So we have to use silicon lines and glass containers if we're going to be using ozone because it's that, it's that strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was using it. I had um, I had parasites in my gut, so that's what I was using it for. It is so insanely powerful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the ramifications if if someone were to get a get a filling, and when do you choose to go that route? So once it's in the dentin layer, which is the second layer of the tooth, um, I have to do a filling. And a filling, so the bad thing about a filling is that we have to put pressure on the tooth, we put vibration on it, and, you know, the nerve is kind of disrupted. So if we have to keep doing fillings on teeth, then the nerve will slowly die. So so that's an eventual process, but, you know, Mm. um, the nerve of the tooth is what we want to make sure that stays healthy, stays alive, doesn't get disrupted so the tooth stays alive. Okay, that makes sense. I never really understood why. I knew like I didn't want to go that route, but I didn't fully understand why. Um, so thanks for that. And as far as the um, the types of fillings, okay, yes, <laughs> different types of fillings, right? So a lot of people um, are familiar with the white fillings, and that's what most people would want nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually different types of white fillings. It's called a resin. It's basically a plastic, but these plastics um, are made up of different materials. Some of them have BPAs in them. Some of them are not compatible and have fluoride in them. Um, it, it's just such a different range, and I found that some brands of fillings are more compatible and compatible with the human body, and some aren't. Um, and so that's one type of filling, right? The white yeah. one. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, so we we only use the best types. And even if we are using the best, we can even check on which t- brand is going to work best for that person. Okay. Um, so it, the resin is that the same as composite? Yes. It's the same. Okay. Okay, it's the same. Um, and then. I'm assuming you don't use amalgam in your in your practice. Oh yeah, so the silver mercury <laughs> fillings are um, banned in our office. Uh, we actually understand how mercury is what that filling is mostly made up of. Mercury, they should just call it mercury fillings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that's what it is. Um, and so we know it's toxic. And actually, um, we have a special way that 
we remove them because we don't want the vapors to harm our office, harm our team members or, or our patients either. So we have, you know, a protocol to contaminate all the vapors. And, and yeah. uh, our patients know that mercury is damaging and they want it out of their mouth. Um, and so that's what we help them with to get the toxins yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we used to see a lot more of the uh, mercury amalgam fillings um, maybe in our, like my parents, for example, they, that's what they received um, and are still in there <laughs> and slowly leaching mercury into the bloodstream and therefore crossing the blood brain barrier over time. Is that correct? Exactly. You're on the right track. And, and that's what it does. It just crosses the blood brain barrier and it causes the risk of so many other diseases, right? Like Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and it's all linked to mercury toxicity. There's so many other symptoms that, that we've seen. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy that it's able to just such a small particle can yeah. cause so much damage. Um, and there's, I mean, you have to put like an entire like suit on, right, to, exactly. to safely remove. And then same with your patient. Yeah. Um, let's see. So you prefer to use the BPA-free composite? Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. There's also porcelain, right? Okay, yeah. So uh, if we're going beyond a filling, and if the tooth needs something bigger and it needs a larger filling, so there may be a time where I have to use the porcelain, which is stronger than a filling, um, oh. and it can cover more surface area of the of the tooth and last longer too. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So I would probably either be using some sort of porcelain or zirconia, and because it's more compatible, and I don't use any metal. Um, inside the mouth. So a lot of crowns or filling, you know, the coverings instead of a, a porcelain, sometimes it's stacked with a metal shell underneath it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, th- I don't have to use that. I think what I've heard is a lot of dentists fear using things like zirconia because they're afraid that they'll break. Is that something you ever see or do they typically last a while? Zirconia is, if it's done the right way, it can last. Um, if they're breaking, then there might be another root cause for why mm. it's breaking. You know, if the patient's bite is very heavy and maybe they're clenching and grinding their teeth and haven't adjusted their bite. I mean, I can, I'm probably going down this whole path, but it just makes me think of, hmm, why are there What's, zirconia mm. breaking? That shouldn't happen. Yeah. Zirconia is actually stronger than a tooth. So I, I don't know. Oh, okay. Because the option, the other option would be titanium. Is that right? Um, if we are talking about an implant, implant, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. the very common uh, material that implants are made up nowadays is is a titanium metal implant, and um, I don't also don't do that. I have another option. It's a ceramic zirconia implant, um, so it doesn't conduct electricity. It's not metal. Okay. So that's if someone has already gotten a root canal, for example, and is, is getting that removed or can a root canal be removed? Is that why you would put an implant in? Typically, unless you've already had a tooth that um, is missing. Okay. Okay. Um, And do you do root canals in your office? Um, I give my patients the option. To, okay. to have a root canal every time if, if it's something that could be possible. Okay. And if so, then I have referred to a specialist. 
because I don't do them in my office. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And can you tell us why you don't do them in your office? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I believe that a root canal is eventually going to Okay, so, okay, a root canal, right? Let me explain first of all what a root canal is. Yes, that would help. Yeah, so a root canal procedure is when they take the nerve out, they strip it out, um, and so the tooth is, and they clean it out. They say they clean out the chamber of the canal, which is a straight um, straight nerve, and they use a file to do that. But the problem is it can't really be cleaned because the root, the whole tooth structure is like sponge. It has little tubules going everywhere, um, and the bacteria are not just going in the straight nerve they're they're already spread everywhere and so a root canal procedure is where they they fill up the nerve with rubber and so that tooth is now dead and so then after that typically they'll put a cap on, to, on top of that tooth and when the cap is there and the, the tooth is there it's fine um it may feel fine to the patient but really that tooth is dead and i have seen every time lots of patients coming to me they've had a root canal done years later they have an infection again on that same, mm. just doesn't make sense, right? Like, so why are they doing this, this procedure when it's eventually, it's going to fail and I've seen it. Um, so because the tooth is spongy and the bacteria never was actually cleaned out, it just leaks into the mouth, the bone of the mouth and into the body. And so that bacteria um, is just traveling everywhere in the body and it's causing a big burden on the immune system now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen, um, like I'd mentioned before, a lot of my clients have had these dental procedures, root canals specifically, and ever since receiving a root canal, their health has just slowly declined in the form of digestive issues, um, hormonal issues, poor immune systems, and so forth. So I think it it can either happen so so quickly as far as that or just over time. so I, that, that's really refreshing to hear that yeah. you just don't do them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do them. And then when I remove them, even I've done a test to see what bacteria was remaining on that tooth that apparently was supposed to be cleaned out. Right. Um, even if I did it on one tooth that didn't even show an infection on the x-ray, but mm. I pulled it out and I did it. I sent it to the lab and they did a DNA test on that tooth and it showed so many um, different types of bacteria that was associated with the, the illness the patient had. I mean, it was it was crazy. So then, how do you go about fixing that? Um, so the real what we need to do is get rid of that tooth and clean mm-hmm. out the area where the tooth was really well. Okay. So the bacteria, and then, mm-hmm. and then the, after all that's done, then you put the implant in. Yes. So okay. we make sure the healing, that the area heals really nicely and the tooth um, and the bone is rebuilt very well. Um, and I don't know if you want me to get into what a graft is. Have you ever heard of a bone graft? I have. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a lot of doctors are, are using a bovine bone graft, which is either from another animal or from another human um, to put in the the hole where the tooth was after the tooth is removed. And I just don't believe that it's very compatible to, um, to put that in there. So what I use is something more natural. It's called calcium sulfate. And I also use uh, PRF, which is the plasma from your, the patient's own blood. So mm. it's very compatible. 
yeah that's their own blood so that makes exactly. sense yeah your own <laughs> blood. and I, I draw the blood in my office and I use a centrifuge just to separate the good part and I put that back in the hole and I just see that it heals very nicely too okay and so that's after the the root canal has has healed or is that totally after separate from a root canal yeah, so um, after the root canal tooth has been removed, I clean out the hole where the, the tooth was, right? right. It all out. And then I will put the plasma bone graft, um, whichever type I'm using, I'll put that in there and I'll stitch it up and I'll let it heal for a couple of months. Um, it's either three to six months usually it takes to heal before we can put an implant in there. Mm, wow, and, that's, that's a long time, but worth it. Yeah. So in that meantime, I do have a solution um, because nobody wants to be missing a tooth, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I do have a, it's called a partial and it's not metal. I cannot tell that it's even there, um, but it is removable um, and it just holds on to your other teeth and it looks very natural. Mm, yeah. Thank goodness I haven't had a root canal or anything too serious. I think I've had one filling in my entire life, but um yeah, very lucky. I've only heard like the horror stories of how painful root canals are. <laughs> um, what about x-rays in your office? Do you use x-rays or do you use like a comb beam or how do oh, you yeah. like, see what's going on in there? So my philosophy on x-rays is that I need to first see what's going on with that patient um, because mm -hmm. some people have a lot of, you know, dental work done and some people don't. And I want to see what their risk is for getting a cavity and what other problems they might be going on before I go ahead and take a bunch of x-rays. So I always do a patient interview. And then I do have a comb beam x-ray, like you were asking me, it's a 3D x-ray. And with that x-ray, I can see any infection on all sides of the tooth and not just a, a one slice like a 2D x-ray does. So if anyone thinks they might have an infection, then I would recommend a 3D comb beam x-ray. Mm, okay. And so it's just basically 3D versus 2D. That's yeah. really the only difference. Okay. Exactly. So I, in order to see an infection, I just can't take a 2D image of the tooth because there might be an infection hiding around the corner or behind the tooth. So with a 3D, I can see every slice and every angle um, like it was in real life. That's awesome. <laughs> really <laughs> thorough, in-depth assessments. I love it. Um I know we kind of skipped past fluoride, but I wanted to chat about why this substance is toxic and, you know, it's in our water supply now and so forth. So what do you do to avoid it and why? Yeah. So fluoride um, is toxic to so many other organs and in, in your body. So, so one of the main things I found is that it blocks and it doesn't allow the, the thyroid gland to work properly. And it blocks your iodine intake. Um, so that's just one example. And I even test that with my patients um, because we want to make sure the thyroid, we know how important that gland, that organ is and, and how our hormonal system is affected by the thyroid gland. And um, fluoride actually blocks iodine from, from being uptaken by the thyroid. So that's just one example of why fluoride is harmful to the body, but it's also been connected to the brain. Um, it, there's studies that show the connection with lower IQ scores and the risk of ADHD and autism in kids. Um, mm -hmm. there's, mm -hmm. there's a symptoms of 
So fluoride toxicity has symptoms of hypothyroidism, which can increase blood pressure and calcium uh, and blood calcium. So there's so many risks and negative side effects of fluoride. So it's just not worth it in my opinion. And in, and really, I don't really think it reverses cavities like everyone's saying either. Even if it's just tropical? Well, if it's, if, if you're saying, it's a lot of people think I'm just going to brush my teeth with fluoride. But teeth are not just rocks, you know, they're, they're actually absorbable. Like I was saying, they're, they're spongy. They actually have little tubules running through them. So anything you put on your tooth, it's getting absorbed into your body and your mouth. Your gums are very absorbable. Mm, yeah, that, that's, that's huge. I gave up fluoride about three years ago and I'm so glad I did. And the fact that it's in our water supply too, I, I, what do you do to avoid it there? Do you use a, yeah. a filtration system? Yeah. So that's definitely very important because fluoride is in our water nowadays. Um, I recommend using, you know, I, I actually use a reverse osmosis filter mm-hmm. like that removes fluoride, but I, it's really important to, to make sure you're not having it in your water. Yeah, I agree. I use um, Berkey filters. Have yep. you heard of them? I, yeah. yeah, I like that brand. Yeah, I love it. And um, it's it's awesome. I can't go back to like tap water. <laughs> no, it's so much better too. It tastes so much better. Yeah. Um, okay, so we got fluoride crossed off the list. What about um, oil pooling? And what is oil pooling? Just a second. So I just want to make sure I made very clear that fluoride yeah. is not topical because that's you are not the only person that's asked me that. A lot of people are just like, I'm just brushing with it. It's not going to get into my body. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's ingested and absorbed. Then it goes into your bloodstream and all of your yeah. organs and so forth. It, it somehow just still gets in there. It's not okay. just going to stay on the tooth. That's so right. Okay. You got it. So teeth are yeah. not rocks and they absorb it in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oil pulling. I've, yeah. you know, I've, this is a practice that's becoming more and more trendy or popular. And I just wanted to see if it's actually, if it actually works. I think it's great. I actually oil pull myself. I just have to say that it's pretty hard to oil pull. If you, if you want it to actually work, you have to do it for like 20 minutes at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're able to have cold oil in your mouth for 20 minutes, and spit it onto the trash can, then it's great. Um, but a lot of people like to talk and you know, <laughs> drink some water, eat here, whatever. I know, I know. To get it to work perfectly. And do you do it every day? Um, I actually don't. I, I would try and do it once a week, but I, I don't. I Like I was saying, okay. I like to talk, and I don't have time just to hold it in my mouth for 20 minutes. That's what I do too. I do it on Sundays. I do it as like a form of self-care and Mm -hmm. 20 minutes. It's really not that bad. I just do it like while I'm doing other things and it, it flies by, but what are, what is oil pulling exactly do? So it's pulling, if you're using a good quality uh, coconut oil, it's pulling the toxins out from your mouth and then, and then you're spitting that toxin out into the trash can, right? So that's what it's doing. Coconut, coconut oil is, is great at pulling toxins out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does it have to do with the caprylic acid that's in there. It's like antifungal or maybe a lot of different properties that are in there too. Yeah. The, the, the properties of coconut oil are really great and just antimicrobial and even the, the lubricating aspect of it is kind of helpful because your gums are not dry. Your mouth isn't dry. 
know, it's, it's really nice. Um, I think, and I, I use coconut oil, but I, I think I've seen other people use like sesame oil. Oh yes. That one's quite popular too. Okay. Okay. So I guess whatever works for you personally, I feel like I prefer the taste of coconut in my mouth over sesame. Um, especially for that length of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, on that note is, I mean, that doesn't obviously make up for mouthwash and what are your thoughts on mouthwash exactly? Cause I know like Risewell has a mouthwash that they kind of use, right? Yeah. Yeah. Risewell has a good one too. Um, I would stay away from anything that has alcohol in it. Um, a lot of mouthwashes also have fluoride, of course. There's one that I like to use. It's called tooth and gums tonic. And it's alcohol-free and it's antimicrobial. It has it uses essential oils and it's great for gum disease too. And I, I just really that. like the ingredients. It's really strong, but you can dilute it. Um, yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, I, I used to use all of the Listerine and Crest growing up and the blue colors and the green colors. Yeah. <laughs> and no food dyes. No, no, no food dyes. Um, those can be neurotoxins as well and can contribute to a whole host of dis-ease in the body. Um, so I got rid of those, but I think Listerine now has um, some sort of mouthwash that's, is it, it's like clear now, but it still, I think has fluoride in it, but I'm just not a fan. I love the essential oil use. Essential oils are actually really powerful. And I think some may underestimate the power of them and how beneficial and antimicrobial and antibacterial they can be. That's so true. Yep. It, it is. But you don't use alcohol specifically because that wipes out the good and the bad bacteria in our mouths. Is that right? Yeah, it does. And it also dries out your mouth. I just don't think it's necessary really to a dry area in your mouth is a cause for decay. Mm. Make sure that we're we're lubricating our mouth and we're drying it out with a mouthwash, right? Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of like also going into um, your doctor's office and getting an antibiotic, um, which in some cases, uh, I know that's necessary intervention, but um, it doesn't know the difference between good and bad bacteria, which um, can actually perpetuate the cycle. Yeah. So um, I, I think now that I've switched to all these you know, non-toxic products and have made a significant change in my diet and lifestyle, um, I think something that a lot of people fear when making the transition is like, oh, but my breath smells or it just doesn't feel like my mouth is truly clean. Um, can you explain like the transition and why that possibly is? So I, um, I kind of understand what you're saying. If there if the mouthwash is not like really strong, uh, mm-hmm. people may think that, Hey, um, it's not doing the right job, but I have a solution. Um, the, the company is called dental herb company and it is very strong. Trust me. It, 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 because it's essential oils it has, it's really strong and you, you will definitely feel like you just cleaned your whole mouth. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that when people are making that transition, I think there's like a phase and I noticed the same yeah. thing when I switched to like non-toxic shampoo, like your body was just adjusting. Um, 
like for my shampoo, for example, there was a phase where like my hair felt like really oily because it switched from like sulfate shampoo to like non-sulfate shampoo mm-hmm. and so forth. And um, same with like the toothpaste and toothbrush. Like there was like a good week where I felt like my breath smelled. But then I also found out there was a root cause to that. And that was candida and parasites in my gut too. Yeah. So there's always going to be a root cause. And <laughs> I want to drive that home because I feel like um, – just the, you know, the world that we live in. And I really appreciate your perspective because you take a whole functional approach where it's like, let's look at your overall health. I love how you look at the thyroid when you're in, you're running a dental practice. Usually dentists are viewed as separate entities and like the mouth is viewed as a separate entity rather than looking at the whole body. And that's what holistic means is looking at the whole body. Um, So I really appreciate that. And it, it's just hard to keep everything disconnected when everything is so, so connected. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, driving that home, getting to the root cause cause because you know, what's going on in your mouth is affecting your body and the vice versa. Mm -hmm. There's other conditions going on in your body that I need to know that because it could be affecting whatever's happening in your mouth and no matter how much you brush and floss it's it's not going to work unless we fix the the root cause maybe something else is going on in your body like diabetes you know because yeah I, I know i've said diabetes before but um it, it and even pregnancy and the hormonal imbalances we have to figure that out as well because it's just going to make it harder for patients to clean their mouth mm-hmm. and keep keep it healthy yeah i agree And I think that as a population, because of the allopathic system that we have, and it's it's still fairly new, isn't it only like a hundred years old or just a few hundred years old? It's uh, holistic healing has been around for really way longer. It's just kind of been lost due to the wear of the world and the convenience. Um, So going to the doctor or going to the dentist always been like just you know do whatever you need to do fix me up and yeah yeah we this is you know it's been it's ancient like chinese medicine and um they've been they know about this forever but you're right um pharmaceuticals have kind of pushed that away and trying to make money based on what drugs they can sell and and now we kind of like the western culture for sure has has trying to has all like we, we kind of think, okay, we definitely need a drug here and or over-the-counter medication when we could just be fixing the root cause and using natural medications instead. Mm-hmm. Or have all those side effects. So, so mm-hmm. I love where you're going with that. That's amazing. Yeah, I agree. And I think I've only found this because of my holistic healing journey. I mean, you found it because you were, you stepped into this role to help mm-hmm. and to serve and you felt like you weren't doing your job when you weren't seeing the results or you kept seeing patients over and over again for the same reason. And, you know, it's dissatisfying. And for me, I went through my own very (laughs) tumultuous health journey. And that's the only reason I found holistic healing, but I've, I don't know, it's just changed my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's the right way to do it though, but it's very satisfying when you can truly help people. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I kind of want to go into something that I've, I've fairly recently heard about and I've been wanting to try, but I've been a little intimidated 
and that is mouth taping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, it sounds daunting, even like mouth taping. What you're taping my mouth shut? Um, yeah. So, what is it, and what are the benefits of it? Okay, so it does sound daunting, but I never ask anyone to use mouth tape unless they can breathe through their nose in the day, um, and I think that's very important because you know. Um, oxygen and nitric oxide only is made in the sinuses, and that's when you breathe through your nose. And if you breathe through your mouth, it, it's not going to happen. Um, so, so one of the main things about getting healthy and getting your energy levels up is getting oxygen into your body and your brain. Um, and so that only happens when you get oxygen through your nose. So right now, if we try to breathe through our nose, and you can do it, um, I would recommend putting tape just vertically, um, just a small piece during the day. See if you're comfortable with that. And and then um, when you're comfortable with that, you can go all the way across your lips in the daytime. If you're awake and you're comfortable with doing that, the next step would be, let's try this out at night. Um, and at night, most people don't realize you're actually good, probably opening your mouth um, to get some oxygen in and not breathing through your nose if you're when you're sleeping just subconsciously, right? And I found that it helps a lot because when you breathe through your nose, you're making nitric oxide and that's what powers your brain and you really do need that to function overall with energy and everything, like I was saying. Um, and yeah. now nitric oxide is one of those biohacks that people are learning about and you know, when you search it, you'll see so many benefits of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have heard of that. Um, because when you're breathing through your mouth, isn't that keeping your body in a sympathetic state. It's like a stress response. There you go. Yep. So when you're breathing through your mouth, you're not getting everything you need and it's causing, for the dental aspect, you're creating a dry mouth, more risk of cavities. Um, your tongue is getting thrown back and it's blocking up your airway. And so it's just, it's like a cascade when you breathe through your mouth for problems to happen. So... What about those people that are snoring at night? Oh, yeah. So snoring, they're probably having their mouth open already. Um, but if they're snoring, we got to figure out the root cause before I tell them to do mouth tape. If Sometimes people that snore really can't breathe through their nose. Um, and, and that's because either their mouth is not big enough, like their, their jawbones didn't develop right. Um, they can't get their tongue up to the right position because, you know, your tongue should be resting at the roof of your mouth, like the whole surface of it. Mm -hmm. I, I know it might be kind of hard for me to explain over um, yeah. you know, what we're talking. I usually I, I show my patients where a tongue should be, and then we see if we, they can get it there. And if not, uh, we'll figure out why and what we need to do to make sure they can get it up there. Okay. Um, and I also feel like, it, I mean, could there be some underlying inflammation too, like from maybe like the foods they're eating and maybe that's leading to allergies and yeah. they're just stuffy all day long and therefore maybe – snoring at night yeah so um if they can't breathe through their nose that that could be a sign of some allergies or allergies from food allergies from sign you know you may need to see a ent the tonsils adenoids might need to be checked um it could be so many things yeah it could be anything but um snoring is related to sleep disorders so, oh my god yeah, that it's is... normal to snore, not even when you're really tired, you know. So, 
Well, even if you're like, I, I find that a lot of people snore when they're lying on their backs. That's still not normal. Not normal. Not okay. Yeah. I mean, the correct way to sleep is on your side, but if you're sleeping on your back and your tongue is getting in the, is getting thrown back, um, I don't think it's okay. I think there could be something that we need to look at there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So we're supposed to be sleeping on our slides. Yeah. That's that's the deal. Okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know that. I've always been told that sleeping on your back is ideal. I don't sleep on my back anyway. I love sleeping on my side. Um, (laughs) but I used to sleep on my belly and that was terrible. And I know that was not a good thing to do. It was just such a, like a comfort. And I feel like a lot of women specifically um, find this position to be really comfortable. And I saw so many um, ramifications from doing that, but noted it's like sleeping on your side with like a pillow in between your knees, right? So Mm -hmm. the spine is still straight or has some curvature and then the pillows matter too. And that um, the mouth taping is really interesting. I love the steps that you recommended to just try it during the day, Mm -hmm. vertical first, see if you can maintain that and then still trying it through the day, but horizontal. Yeah. And then if you're good there, then try it at night. Yeah. Um, I really want to try it. I have them in my Amazon cart. I think the brand is Somnifix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. I want to try that. Because yeah, I don't get to start with. I've been told I don't snore and I don't think I sleep with my mouth open, but I think sometimes I do wake up with a little bit of drool in my pillow. So <laughs> that kind of makes me think, okay, maybe I am sleeping with my mouth open. Mm-hmm. Do you personally mouth tape? I do. Yeah. I find that I get a better night's rest. I feel more energized when I do that um, because, you know, of course I'm breathing through my nose and I'm getting nitric oxide. And I think that's, that's why. Wow. I mean, that's definitely why. But I do catch myself during the day with my mouth open and like just doing that, that shallow breathing in my chest and just breathing out of my mouth. So I probably do. I'm going to order that today. <laughs> okay, great. um okay so we kind of touched on the toothpaste recommendations um i know as far as toothbrushes go electric is best or no is that wrong oh i mean it kind of depends on uh what works best in your hands and but before i say electric we have to make sure that we're saying extra soft bristles because um the bristles being hard, it just really takes away the enamel over time. But electric is great because for those people that are used to brushing and scrubbing their teeth like a toilet, they just kind of prevents them from doing that because the toothbrush, I, like some of them just stop if you brush too hard, right? The electric toothbrushes. And then does the, the shape matter if it's round or if it's long? I mean, it's nice to have a smaller head. I don't know about the shape, but the smaller the head you're able to get in – all the small areas that you can't reach far back when you have a really big toothbrush, but I really think it's whatever works best in your hands. I I can't say you have to do this or you have to do that because I actually use a really large toothbrush. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It's it's bio-individual and really works best for you. Yeah, it works best in your hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh. I was just going to ask something and I can't remember what it was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. 
But I think we covered like pretty much everything. Is there anything else that I could be missing? Oh, yes. Um, so a lot of people are asking nowadays because of the COVID virus going on, uh, yes. what precautions should they be taking when they go to the dentist? And are you safe to go right now? Um, I don't know. I've been getting that a lot. And um, my opinion is that if the dental office is taking the proper precautions, which let me go over as well, I think it's safe because it's important that we maintain our health and immunity, um, especially at this time, right? And if you're skipping a cleaning, well, then you're probably building up the bacteria, which is now going to flow into the rest of your body and put you at a higher risk for getting any kind of infection or virus. Right. So mm-hmm. we know that this virus out there, the coronavirus, is more harmful to people that have a respiratory disease, have gum disease, um, have have any systemic burdens. And so I think it's important that if anyone that has been overdue for a cleaning, I think it's important to get it done right now. And, and I don't know what the rules are in each state for that, but um, I think it's important. So, so here are the precautions that a dental office typically should be taking. Um, is seeing less patients, like not high volume, if they're doing that. Like right now, we see only one patient at a time because we don't want to have a lot of people in our office. We just want to be able to sterilize everything after patients leave mm-hmm. um, and and just seeing low volume. And then another thing is that we have an aerosol vacuum and, and that's placed right on top of the patient's mouth whenever we're doing cleanings or any procedures that creates aerosols. And so it's more contained and not flowing through our office and settling everywhere. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know if, if that makes sense, but I have a picture of what of what that means. It's like an elephant trunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I saw it. Yeah. And then, you know, um, dentists should be, and the, and the t- dental team, um, they're all covered and wearing PPE and changing it out you know, with each, each patient and each procedure. Mm-hmm. I think that's important too. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think um, that's really important to note. Um, and it, it's it's scary and it has been for the past few months for a lot of people um, mm-hmm. because, I mean, there's so much information out there, right, <laughs> that has been put out by the media and so forth. And it's like, what's really right? And But I love how you're making the connection between just your oral health and how that could affect your you know, possibility of even contracting it. So it's important to keep up with those cleanings. And speaking of that, how often do you recommend someone maintain, you know, go into the the dentist office and get those cleanings? Well, if you have healthy gums, uh, it should be every six months. Uh, It depends on patient individually, really, because I don't know how they're cleaning their teeth at home. I don't know if they have gum disease. If it's gum disease, it might need to come in more often. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the dentist should make the decision for the patient um, together. You guys figure that out. I like that. Um, what about, you had kind of mentioned earlier about the, the teeth grinding. Um, yeah. What are the reasons that you mm-hmm. typically see behind this? And oh, definitely. how do you go about fixing it? Okay. So teeth grinding, um, a lot of people have seen a worn area near the gum line um, and the, now the roots are exposed and maybe they're feeling sensitivity and and sometimes it's from years of brushing really hard years and years and, and brushing really really hard but what i am finding is that it's also 
related to um, clenching and grinding of during night at the night. Um, and, and people do this without even knowing it. And then over time, it creates those notches on the teeth. And, and that's what it looks like when they're, the root part is missing. Um, and so that is related to a sleep disorder. Because um, if, the pay, if people can't get enough oxygen, like if you can't get enough oxygen in your mouth, it's typical that you're going to try to move your jaw around. Your brain is going to be like, okay, let me try and figure out how to get oxygen into my body. And they'll try and move their jaw forwards, backwards. They'll try and clench, grind, whatever it, whatever um, the body thinks it will do to get more oxygen into um, the body. And that is typically grinding and clenching. But I've seen it being related to sleep apnea or sleep disorders, uh, problems with TMJ, jaw joints. So and what we can do, that's what you asked me, like, what can you do to fix this? And a lot of dentists are um, recommending a CPAP, and that's something I don't like because it's really a Band-Aid. Unless the, the disease is so severe and we, we can't fix it by the root cause, um, a CPAP is just a Band-Aid that pushes oxygen into the mouth. But I found that the real root cause is because, like I was saying, there's a couple of things that either the tongue can't get to the right position or there's not enough space in the mouth. And then we need to expand the mouth, the mouth mm-hmm. bone. Okay. Okay. Just a little bit, like we, we expand it so that the tongue can fit in the right position. Um, is that what the expander is for? Yes, it's kind of, yeah, that's what they call it, an expander. Um, a lot of kids are using this, but adults can actually expand also. Yeah, it's just, it sits on the roof of your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I had one when I had braces. Um, oh, yeah, so a lot of kids have these uh, rapid power little expanders when they're little to really quickly expand that bone. Um, but but the appliance I use, it does it very slowly um, and that's because we don't want to have a relapse and, and that's the best way to do it. And it, it's actually, the appliance is different from, I think, what you're thinking. Mm, okay. Yeah, probably. That makes it, sense. It looks more like a retainer um, from whenever you were, after you had braces, you had that retainer, had a metal wire in the front of your teeth. And, um, but it also has a little screw to expand um, the appliance, like a millimeter by millimeter at okay. a time. Okay. Um, kind of on the same token, I wanted to ask you about, so I used to have braces and my teeth were perfectly straight. And then I had retainers. I had two of them and I kept losing them because they were clear and I kept like accidentally throwing them in the trash. And my mom was like, okay, that's it. You're never (laughs) going to get one again. And since then my teeth have done some shifting and I'm really upset about this. And, but that can, I feel like because my, my teeth have shifted, my bite has has also, has also shifted. And this, Mm -hmm. that can be stress on, on the jaw, right? In some way. Yeah, so um, we have to figure out, again, the root cause of why your teeth are shifting. And it's really individual. Um, I look at a lot of different things to figure out why teeth moved or, and they're shifting and, and what happened. Um, could be related to the tongue, could be related to other teeth pushing, um, mm. not enough space. It just, it's a lot of different aspects so, that I have to look at there. 
So you wouldn't even recommend like going like the, the Invisalign route then just to get things back to where they were. You would just, you'd find the root cause because once I stopped Invisalign, I mean, would things tend to go back um, to shifting? Could be. I'm, I still do Invisalign after I take an assessment, but I um, will have to look at a couple of different things before I can prescribe an Invisalign mm. to my patients before it starts relapsing again. That makes sense. Well, I wish I lived in Houston. <laughs> I wish I could go see you. Um, I actually do want to move to Texas one day. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I will one day. Um, great. Well, I think we've covered a lot and I think we've covered everything. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? Um, sure. I just wanted to kind of go over how you can find me. I'm on Instagram. My tag is pure holistic dental and I have a link in my bio for a lot of things I recommend. And I'm also on Facebook. Check out our website. I know that a lot of our listeners may not be close by, but, um, you know, the information can apply to just mm-hmm. dentistry overall, maybe help you out too. Mm-hmm. And in there, could they find like a, a holistic dentist near them? Is there like a locator? Um, I don't have a locator, but, um, I like the organization. I, I O A M T and I A B D M. Um, those are two organizations for holistic biological dentists um, to go on, and so I can I can give you those please uh, websites and you can put it in there. Perfect. I will put everything we discussed today in our show notes. Dr. George, thank you so much for being on the Human Experience Podcast, and I hope everyone enjoyed listening. Until next time, guys.
Thanks for listening, guys, to another episode of the Human Experience Podcast. I do always appreciate your love via Instagram DMs and now any ratings or reviews that you have to give my podcast. I would love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, And of course, feel free to share with friends and family so that others can hear my voice too. Until next time.